Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John continues in the series entitled Heart Attacks. This is part number three of that series, and it is subtitled Process of Healing. And now here is Pastor John with today's message. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. We're reading from the Amplified Version today, again, so that you can see uh, the expanded definition of these words and you can understand exactly what it is that Jesus is saying. Again, Jesus is standing in his hometown synagogue in the city of Nazareth. They gave him the scroll of Isaiah to read from. He found the part of the scroll where it said this, which is our 61st chapter of Isaiah. He stood among all the people that he grew up with, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the Messiah, the anointed one, to preach the good news, which is the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed. And oppressed means those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity or tragedy and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the day when salvation and the free favors of God the blessings of God profusely abound. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would both recognize and respond to the word of God today. I pray that something happened in this miracle of communication that somewhere between between my voice and their ears, you empower your word. You empower your word to to plant itself deep in their hearts so so that they can understand exactly what it is that you're saying to them and that that and, and us not just them but me and that we can respond to your word in in an appropriate way God to receive the benefit that you paid for with your life in the name of Jesus we pray amen amen So we are in week three of a series called Heart Attacks, and we are talking about the ways that the enemy has attacked our hearts, our inner man, and how those attacks have left us wounded and weak. And my goodness, what a powerful couple of weeks it's been as God has been moving in so many of your lives and in my life and in my family's lives. God is bringing revelation to people, and he's sparking hope where hope has not been found in a long time. And I am so grateful and I'm so excited about what God's doing. If you haven't been here or haven't listened to the podcast or seen the messages on YouTube, please take, a time, take time to do that. It's important that you hear each one of them 
so that you get the full revelation of what it is God's trying to say to us. Now, I've received several text messages uh, and had some conversations with people over the last week, and, and they've all been essentially the same conversation. It goes something like this. God has shown me that I have some hurts in my life that, that I haven't healed from that are causing me pain even today, and I didn't realize it. So I've made my list like you told me to, Pastor, and I, and I want to be healed from them, but what now? What now? I got my list. Now what do I do with it? How do I get healed? How do I get set free from this stuff? And so the good news for you today is that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Today is the process of healing. The process of healing. And and so I want to show you in the Word uh, exactly what the Word says about how to receive the healing that Jesus provided for us. It, it's a very simple process, so don't get overwhelmed. I'm gonna, uh, we're going to get in the Word and see it, so don't get overwhelmed. Um, we're just going to see it in the Word, and, and then we're going to walk through the process together, at least begin to, okay? So we just read in Luke the mission statement of Jesus and his ministry here on the earth. He came to save, to heal, deliver, and set free from sin, from hurts, from addiction, from bondage, from the tragedies and the trials and the traumas of our lives. So how does he do that? Well, I want to show you the big picture first, and then we're going to get into the process. So there's three, uh, there's three scriptures I want us to look at, and, and I want you to recognize what Jesus is doing. Look at, look at what it says he's doing, because some of these are very familiar don't gloss over it. Don't just, read the, don't just read the words. Understand what it's saying. Isaiah 53, this is one of the, the main messianic uh, prophecies uh, from, uh, from the book of Isaiah. He said, who has believed our report? And to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant, he's talking about Jesus, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in a dry ground. Uh, There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was, Jesus was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses He carried our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Do you see this in context of what we're talking about in this series? We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sin. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. He was oppressed and treated harshly, but he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Look at this. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him 
and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made for an offering for is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. That's what Jesus did for us. Look at John chapter 19. Jesus is now on the cross fulfilling the mission that Isaiah just prophesied about 700 years beforehand. Now, Jesus knew his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. So a jar of sour wine was sitting there. They soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it to his lips. When Jesus tasted it, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and released his spirit. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if Christ had, has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Look at verse 20. Do you feel a divine but is coming? But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who died. Listen, here's what I want you to see from these scriptures. Everything you need to be healed was accomplished in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, it is finished. Let me say it this way. He went through traumas and tragedies and trials on this earth so that he could show us a path to healing and to freedom. The path, um, excuse me, the pain and the shame and the humiliation and the abandonment, he carried all of that so we wouldn't have to. His stripes, his blood, his sacrifice saves us and heals us and delivers us and sets us free. So if you want to know how you can find healing from the heart attacks that you've suffered, just look at the cross. Bring your hurts, bring your pains, bring your sins, bring it all to the cross. It's been 2,000 years, but there's still power in the blood of Jesus that he shed at the cross of Calvary. It's his blood and his cross. So healing has been provided for us, just like salvation has been provided for us. But listen, if you don't walk into that salvation, you'll die in your sin. In the same way, if you don't walk in the healing that he has provided, you're going to continue to walk in the pain that you carry. Now, I read this a couple weeks ago on uh, Christine Kane. She's a, uh, an Australian evangelist. I read it on her Twitter feed, and I think she was quoting somebody else. So I don't know who said this, but it's good, all right? The pain, the pain may not be your fault but the healing is your responsibility. The pain may not be your fault. The healing is your responsibility. And this is the kicker right here. You say, well, John, I don't care. I've been carrying this pain so long, it don't even affect me anymore. Listen, if you don't heal, you'll bleed all over people who didn't cut you. If you don't heal, you'll bleed all over people who never cut you. So, What's the price? So if you, if you don't care enough about yourself to go through the process of healing, at least care about the people who are around you. So what's the process of healing? 
Let me say this first. I'm going to give you some steps, but they may not be a straight line for you. Okay? It, it, this is not, it's, it's, it's not a formula. Okay? They, they may not always happen in a particular order. Why? Because we're not machines. We're people. God is a person. He's not a human. He's a person. He's a spiritual, perfect person. People, people don't really do processes. They do relationship, and relationship's messy. Okay? So the important thing is that you wind up in the right place, and that right place is healed and made whole. So some things are naturally going to happen before others. Some things you'll have to loop back through. Some things you'll have to do over and over again. I don't care. It's okay. The, the, the bottom line is that you get where God said we could be, and that is healed and made whole. So listen, don't make a superstition out of this. It's not a spell or an incantation. There's no magic words, okay? It's the, it's the attitude of the heart in your expression to your Father. So let's dive in. Here's the first step. Recognize. I recognized I had to cough. Recognize. Recognize that you are being affected by the attacks on your heart. Recognize that you need to be healed. Why is that important? Because nobody ever gets healing until they realize they're sick. So it, it's, it is, you have to come to the place where you say, it is not well with my soul. And be okay saying that. Just stand flat-footed and say it. I am not okay. We've got to get real about where we are. Take the mask off. Quit trying to act like we think good Christians are supposed to act. And just get honest with God and, more importantly, honest with ourselves. Now, just like everything else you receive from what Jesus did on the cross, it comes through confession. You recognize that you have a problem, and then you confess that there are things in your life that have harmed you and that you can't help yourself. And that takes humility. It takes humility. You cannot come to God in pride and expect to receive anything. And let me show you why. James chapter 4 and verse 6, the last half of that uh, says, As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. Let, let me look at the, at the beginning of the verse 2. He gives us even more grace to stand uh, against such evil desires, because God opposes the proud, but he favors or gives grace to the humble. When you operate in pride, God is opposing you. He is actively working against you. But when you humble yourself, he rushes right to your side and he gives you his grace. His grace is his power to do what you cannot do on your own. The first step in the process of healing is recognizing that you need to be healed and confessing your desperate need for God's grace to do it. You say, well, John, what, what does that even look like? I, I'm not sure what that even means. Well, remember what we're talking about. We're talking about soul stuff. So start with your mind, your will, and your emotions. So what do you, what do you think when you think of that situation? That's your mind. Maybe that situation is on your list. What do you think of when you think about that list? That church hurt. What that person did to you. What do you think about the situation? How does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? 
if all those emotions come right back up to the surface, then you're not healed from it. Or what does it make you want to do? Or what have you done as a result of the pain that you experienced? How has it affected your decision making? All right? As you work through those questions, one of the things you may realize or have to recognize is that you're offended with God. Because when you're trying to think through the process, there are some of these, some of the things in your life that you face that you can really only lay at the feet of God. There's no human being to be mad at. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I think it was in an 11 o'clock service. I don't remember. Many, many, many people are offended at God. But we've been raised in such religious environments that we would never admit that out loud. I didn't think that was even a thing. I didn't think you could say that. I didn't think anybody could feel that. I figured you went straight to hell if you were offended at God. But it doesn't change the reality that it happens. And we have to say it. I had, I had to deal with this in my process of healing a few weeks ago, and I didn't even realize it. If you, if you have a hard time in prayer, John, how do I know if I'm offended at God? If you have a hard time in prayer, if you have a hard time in worship, especially in those, in, in those private, intimate moments of worship and prayer, then it's very likely that you are offended at God. Why the private times? Why the, why the intimate times? Because you can be in a crowded room with a person that you don't like and kind of fake it till you make it, right? We've all had to do that. That's just, you just got to put on your big boy panties and go take care of business sometimes. But when, what happens when it's just the two of you in a room? That's when it gets really awkward. If you have to talk, it's really superficial, surface level stuff. It's shallow, it's forced. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes our prayer lives are like that. Sometimes our worship is like that. And if that's the case, then you are very likely offended at God about something. And listen, it's easy to do. It's easy to get offended by God because there are some situations that you don't understand why God did what he did. You don't understand why he allowed what he allowed. You don't understand why he apparently remained still and silent while some tragedy unfolded in your life. And the sooner you recognize it and confess it, the better. Otherwise, you wind up like this person, and I, wanna, I want you to see this in Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1, the first five verses. In the days when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. Who do you get mad at when a famine happens? So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home, went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech. The, the uh, wife was Naomi. Naomi, the name Naomi means pleasant. Their two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. When they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a, ma- a woman named Orpah. The other married a no- woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Malan and Kilian died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons and her husband. Look, in ver- look at verses 20 and 21. 
She said, don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara. Naomi means pleasant. Mara means bitter. She said, don't, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. I went away full, and the Lord brought me home empty. Why call me pleasant when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Naomi was a bitter woman who was offended at God for all the tragedies, all the difficulties that she had been through in her life. And it's not just the loss of her family, the struggle of the famine, the gut-wrenching decision to have to move and leave everything she knows the, the loss of her husband, the loss of her children, being left alone in a foreign land. All of that pain had attacked her heart, and, and because she didn't deal with it, now she's 15, 20 years later, and she's bitter, and she's angry, and she's hard to live with. Why? Because when you're mad at the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? It's like when your two-year-old gets mad at you. What's that little guy going to do to you? Hit you, punch you, scream, pitch a fit? What do you do when you're mad at God? You feel helpless. You feel hopeless. So you turn it inside and you just live with it. You just live with the pain. Listen, there is a better way. There's a better way. Let's move forward in the process. So you, you have to recognize that if that's what's going on. After you recognize the problem and you recognize that he is the solution, his grace is the solution, the second thing you do is repent. You repent. I want to show you two scriptures. There's a whole bunch of them. I want to show you two scriptures. James chapter 5 and verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then here's the famous verse that we always talk about. We never talk about the front half of the verse. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's King James. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, produces wonderful results. Look at chapter 3 of Acts, verse 19. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. I didn't check the version. Sorry about that. So that times of refreshing may come, is what the King James says. When you repent, you get refreshed. You get restored. You get healed. But do you see the, the connection, the correlation between healing and repentance? That repentance brings healing. As a matter of fact, every promise of Jesus that he gave us on the cross is on the other side of our repentance. Salvation, healing, sanctification, spirit empowerment. We, we have to approach the Father through repentance. Why? Because he's perfect and holy and so are his ways. And when we get hurt, if, if, we had, if we had not leaned to our own understanding but instead have acknowledged him and did it his way, we wouldn't, we wouldn't still be standing in pain. So you're recognizing and admitting that you didn't handle everything right in the situation. So that might mean you lashed out in the, in the situation, or you might have held unforgiveness, or you might have let a root of bitterness take hold and grow. 
However you might have sinned through the situation, you have to humble yourself and repent. And if you say, I didn't do anything wrong. So like start with pride and go from there. Start with lying and go from there. Repentance is about restoring the relationship between you and God. That's what that's about. It's his kindness that draws us to repentance because repentance draws us to him. So as you go through the healing process, ask him to show you the things you need to repent of. That's one of the, that's one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit, to bring conviction, to reveal truth in your life. And, and if you go through the process with someone, sometimes somebody can see something that you don't see in yourself. Now, here's the next step after repent. You have to recognize and you have to repent. Here's the next step. Release. Release. I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read a, a passage of Scripture that you've probably read a dozen times, but you didn't read the last verse. And I want you to, I want you to see this. Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. Peter came and asked him, Lord, how, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? seven times. Does it sound like Peter might have some pain in his life? Like somebody hurt him repeatedly? And so he's very generous and says seven times. Jesus said, no, seven times, not seven times, 70 times seven. That's 490 if y'all ain't good at math. Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared. So now Jesus is telling him a story. Kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debt. That's, that's what you did in those days. The man fell down before his master and begged, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. His master was filled with pity for him, released him, and forgave his debt. Released him. You see that? Um, Verse 28, when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, grabbed him by the throat, demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, begged for a little more time. Please be patient with me and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king, told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt that you had because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. No, there's another verse. Jesus almost always told you the application of the parable. So he didn't leave you hanging to figure it out. So what does this mean to us? Jesus Christ said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. He'll do what? He said in verse 34, put him in prison, call the torturers until he has, until his debt's been forgiven, until his debt's been paid for. Do you understand the gravity of that situation, of that statement? Millions of people 
are being tortured by unforgiveness. And the worst part is they're doing it to themselves. Two words would set them free. Two words would stop the torture. I forgive. You have to forgive and release. You have to. Now this is the step that gets, that gets a lot of people. This is the step that prevents a whole bunch of people from getting the healing that, God, that Jesus provided for them on the cross. They don't get healed because they refuse to release the person who hurt them. Now listen, stop yourself right now from thinking about the pain. Set that aside for a second. Quit thinking about the pain and listen to me. People say, I can't let them off the hook like that. Listen, they're not on the hook. You're on the hook. They're not suffering. You're suffering. You aren't releasing them from the responsibility for their actions because you don't have that authority. That's between them and God. You're simply recognizing that you are not their judge and that you are no less a sinner than they are. You're not minimizing the evil of their intentions or the depth of the pain that they caused you. You're simply relieving yourself of the burden of bringing them to justice. You can't, listen, you can't be released until you release the person who hurt you. You can't be set free until you set them free. Until you release, until you release them and forgive them, you are still their victim. Forgiving and releasing puts an end to their control over you. But if you refuse, they are victimizing you every day. Quit holding the bill over what they did to you over their heads. For whatever you think they owe you for how they hurt you, no matter how large or how small. Think about this. Every sin you ever committed is an offense to Jesus. And he forgave you of everything. So who are we to hold another person responsible for anything? But it's not always another person that you're offended at. So quit carrying the guilt and the shame and the condemnation for something you did that you've repented of already. It's gone. Release yourself. Forgive yourself. Quit beating yourself up for something that has been forgiven, forgotten, for good. And quit holding a grudge against God for what happened in your life. What does the Word say? It says that God is wise and that He is just and that he is good, and that he is perfect in all of his ways, even in the ways that caused you pain. You have to recognize that he had a reason that you may never understand. And it's perfectly okay to tell him how you feel. Tell him it hurt. Tell him you're angry. Tell him you're confused. Tell him how you feel. 
perfectly fine in that recognition stage. But after you've recognized it, then you have to repent (laughs) and release him. Forgive God and move forward. So release God and release yourself and release whoever else has hurt you. But there's another context for, uh, for, for release. There's another context for release. And I want you to hear this as well. In this process of release, you also have to release the pain. You don't just release and forgive the person that caused it. You have to let go of the pain. And it's been your constant companion for so many years that sometimes it's difficult for people to let go of it because they don't know what it's like to walk around without it. Some of you haven't felt any real emotion for a long time. It's like you've been holding your breath for 10 years. You need to release the pain, release the tears, release the anger, Release the whatever it is. Let go of it. It is a cancer in your bones. Whatever's in there has got to come out. So as you release the people who've caused you the pain, don't forget to release the pain and the emotion as well. Now, the next step may not, be, may not apply to everybody in every instance, but it's common enough that everybody needs to learn it. And, and that is after you repent, and release, you need to renounce. Renounce. And again, these are not necessarily linear. Some of this all kind of happens in one big wad, okay? James chapter 5 and verse 12, I want you to see this. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just a simple yes or no. Look at this last, this is the important part. So that you will not be, so you won't sin and be condemned. We're talking about inner vows, oaths that we've taken about ourselves. You've condemned yourself by taking that inner vow. You've created this mental stronghold, and you have to take every thought captive and replace those thoughts with the truth of the Word of God. And you need to pray and ask God to reveal those things to you the ones that you've made, and the beliefs that you've developed so you can get rid of them. Some of them happened so long ago you don't even remember. Some of them have been affecting you at such a deep level that you don't remember where they started from. That's what the Holy Spirit does is reveals truth. So ask him. So once you know that you've made them, what do you do? Well, first of all, you repent for taking a vow when God says not to and for believing in your vow more than you believe in him and his word. And then you have to renounce that thing. How do you do that? The same way you took it. With your mouth. You need to officially declare out loud that because you've repented of it before God, then you are renouncing that vow and you will no longer be bound to it. Instead, you're going to live in the truth of the word. Here's here's an example. Last week we talked about a person who had made this inner vow that they didn't believe, they didn't deserve to be happy because their loved one who had passed away couldn't be happy. So this person needs to repent for taking that vow and for believing that lie because it's not true. And then they need to say out loud, I renounce the inner vow that I took, that I don't deserve to be happy. I've repented before God. I am released from that lie. I am a child of God, born again, truly wanted, and deeply loved. 
He has a great plan for my life. My relationship with him gives me purpose. It gives me peace. It gives me joy. So this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice in it, and I will be glad in it. You see how that's completely different from the lie that they believed? You're counteracting the lie with the truth. That's what we have to do for every false and inner vow that we've ever taken. We have to disown that thing. And we have to do it until we've replaced the lies with the truth. Now then comes the good part of the process. You're like, good, because none of this sounds like fun whatsoever. Here's the good part. Receive. Receive. It's harder than it sounds. That's why I wanted to make it a whole thing. Receive. Receive the healing. Receive the restoration. Receive the peace. Receive the rest. Take a deep breath in the presence of the Lord once you've dealt with all of that stuff and receive that peace. Let me ask you this. Why did Jesus give his life and shed his blood? Because he loved us. It's John 3.16, right? He loved us. He loves you. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your mess, Jesus loves you. He thought you were worth Calvary. He knew you were a mess. He knew you were a hot mess. He was going to walk around in pain for a long time. He said, Father, I'm still going. I know John's going to be a control freak. I know he's going to stuff everything that ever happens to him and carry it around for decades. I'm still going. I'm going to set him free. I'm going to set him free. I'm going to shed my blood so that my blood can heal all of that mess in his life. So that maybe when he gets to about 50 years old, he'll be smart enough to realize what I've been doing for him all along. Listen, false humility does not honor God. False humility doesn't honor God. What does that look like? All this, oh, but I'm not worthy. I don't deserve his forgiveness. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his healing. That is a last-ditch, desperate lie that the enemy tells people who are inches away from freedom. Listen, he wouldn't, nobody's worthy of God's love. Nobody. If, If we were worthy without it, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. But since he did, Jesus has made us worthy. So the price has already been paid. He already said it's finished. It doesn't cost him a bit more for you to enjoy what he came to give everybody else. So step up and receive it just like you receive everything else he did for us on the cross by grace through faith. That is actually the whole process right there. Okay, but I want to I want to just real quick throw in two things that are important to the discussion. And here's the here's the first one. It's a revelation of roots. A revelation of roots. At some point in the process, God may reveal to you the root of the pain. You understand what I mean? Not the event that caused the pain, but the underlying root that caused you to be sensitive to that particular event. Roots are important. When the when the Holy Spirit shows you one, pay attention lean into it, and dig it out. 
It, it might be something from a long time ago that you didn't even realize, uh, or maybe you recognize that it's caused you a whole bunch of heartache over the years. It might be something that is so painful you never told anybody. Deal with it. Deal with it. I don't mean that flippantly or arrogantly. I'm not being nasty. I'm saying once, you re- once it's revealed, deal with it. It only grows over time and in the darkness. So the thing, no matter how big it is, it will never be smaller than it is right now. So drag that thing out into the light and let the blood of Jesus wash it away. And here's the last thing. Repeat. (laughs) Repeat. This is not going to be the last time you have to go through the healing process. Because you're, why? Well, two reasons. One, getting healed doesn't make you immune from future hurt. So you can be as healed as you can be today, but tomorrow something else might happen. All right? You're going to get hurt again at some point, and you're going to have to get healed again. And two, because sometimes healing comes in layers. Sometimes you don't know how bad you hurt deep because you're so distracted by the pain of the surface stuff. And as sometimes you get healed in one area, it reveals pain in another area. Or sometimes over time you recognize the need for healing at another depth. And so you, you learn to acknowledge the pain and follow the Lord's process for healing. We're going to talk about how do you stay, how do you walk in healing? How do you walk healed with a message called guard your heart. Um, and I don't know where else, I don't know where we're landing this, this plane. Um, but we're just going to keep doing it until God says it's over. So, um, listen, will you, will you stand with me here? I'm, I'm aware of the time. I'm also aware that you've wasted a lot more time in your life in pain So I'm not going to get too tore up about the fact that it's 10 minutes after 10. Here's what I want to do. And I don't want to cause anybody any sort of discomfort or, or anything, any sort of self-consciousness. But we need to walk through this process together just so you can, just so you can understand how this works. We're, so we're going to walk through it together. I'm going to try to help you maybe with some repeat after me kind of things, but there's, there's some blanks you're going to have to fill in in your life because I don't know you and I don't know your source of pain and I don't know who hurt you or, or what, okay? So we're just going to kind of do this together and then we're going to have a time that you can come to the altar and just kind of get alone with the Lord if you want to. Um, again, we have resources in the lobby to help you to help you work through it. We've got everything from our own prayer ministry here that can help you walk through this all the way to professional counselors, to resources you can read, um, books, um, websites, videos. We got all kinds of stuff to help you. However it needs to work for you, let God heal you. Let him heal you. Okay? So I want you, if you don't mind right now, just, just clear your mind from all, all the distractions, all the, all the craziness and chaos all of the stuff that the enemy's trying to throw up at you, all of the pride, all of the fear, just get rid of all of that stuff and determine in your mind that if, if God, if Jesus died on the cross so that you can be healed, then you want that. You want that. So set all of that stuff aside. 
And I want you to think of that list. If you've got your list with you, you can pull that list out. Or you can just do it in your mind. Or you might just walk through one thing on your list and then have to go back and do this again for the other things. So the first thing I want you to do is recognize. Recognize that you've been hurt. So here's what I want you to do. Would you just offer a prayer up something like this to the Lord, Heavenly Father? And you can repeat after me if you'd like, and you can do it out loud. You can do it in your heart. I don't care. Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am wounded. I recognize that I have been hurt and that I haven't dealt with it. And I also recognize that I can't be healed from it by myself. God, I need your grace. I need your power. I need your help to heal. And if you are recognizing that you are offended at God, you're recognizing that some of the bitterness and some of the pain in your life is because you're offended at God, then would you just tell him that right now? Would you just say, Heavenly Father, I realize that I've been offended with you and didn't even realize it. And then just tell him how you feel. If you feel like you're, if, if, he's, if you're hurt with him, if you're confused, if you're angry, just tell him. He's not, he already knows. Just tell him. This is just about getting the relationship restored. This is just about getting it out on the table so you can deal with it. Just tell him, Father, I'm confused. I'm mad. I I don't understand why this had to happen. So just recognize it. Confess what's going on in your life. So now let's move on to to the second step, and that's repent. So I want you to repent of anything that you did in that, in, in that situation that was against the word of God. Repent for holding unforgiveness. Repent for lashing out, for reacting in, in a way that believers shouldn't have reacted. Repent for pride. Repent for, for arrogance, for holding on to this stuff. Repent for anything, anything the Holy Spirit brings up. Repent for being offended at God. Repent for questioning his character. Repent for carrying this for so long when he he provided a way for you to be healed on the cross. Repent. The next step is to release remember there's two things you have to do here one you have to release the person or people who hurt you then you have to release the pain release the emotion this is going to be difficult for some of you are you ready you're thinking about the situation that caused you pain you're thinking about the person or people who did that to you And if you can't find it in your vocabulary to say it, then I want you to repeat after me and just say, I forgive 
and then fill in the blank with that person's name. I forgive them for what they did to me. And I want you to say what they did. I forgive them for deceiving me, for lying to me. I forgive them for the way they hurt me. I forgive them for whatever it was. You're going to have to say it. You're going to have to say it, and you're going to have to believe it. You've been tortured too long by unforgiveness. This is, the, this is how you get set free. This is how you get set free from the torture of unforgiveness. You just say, I forgive that person for what they did to me. I release them. I will not hold them responsible anymore. I will not look to them. I will, I, I will do what Jesus commanded. I will not only forgive them, but I will pray for them. So start right now. I know this is a mouthful. Pray. Pray for them, not pray about them. Pray for them. You might say, Father, I know that anybody who, hurt, who has hurt somebody the way they hurt me must also be dealing with pain in their own lives. So God, would you reveal their own pain to them so that they can be healed? God, would you help them to recognize what's going on in their lives? And then do what Jesus said. Father, I bless that person who hurt me. I bless them. You said bless those who hurt you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Father, I bless them. And then just release that pain. Let it go. Let it go. Quit walking in it. Quit being defined by it. Quit carrying it. Quit carrying the weight of it. Let it go. It's time for some of you to breathe for the first time. I don't know why 10 years keeps coming But for some of you, something happened 10 years ago, and it's time to let that thing go. Breathe. Release for the first time. If if you've made inner vows, it's time to renounce those things. So whatever that inner vow is, whether you have believed that you're not good enough, whether you've believed what somebody said that you'll never amount to anything, if you have believed whatever it is that you've, whatever lie you've believed, I'll never trust another man, I'll never trust another woman, I'll never trust another pastor, I'll never get involved in church again, whatever the thing is, then you need to recognize that and you need to renounce it. You need to repent, first of all, for believing that lie and for taking the place of God in your life. James said you don't, get it, you don't even get to say tomorrow I'm going to go and do this or that. So who are you to say what you will or will not do over the course of the rest of your life? It's a sin. You have to repent. And after you repent, then renounce it. You say, because I have repented, I renounce this inner vow where I said, and then you state that thing, so you, you are breaking it officially in the spirit world. And then I want you to confess the truth. Confess the truth of the word. Father, 
I believe what you say about me. I believe that you hold my future. I believe that you make me worthy. I believe that you order my steps, that you determine what, what's good for me. I'm not going to turn to the left or to the right. I'm not going to listen to my own to my own heart, which is deceitful above all things. I'm going to believe the truth of the word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. I'm going to believe it. And then I just want you to receive healing. Receive healing. Receive the peace that passes all understanding. Receive the joy. It's been so long since some of you walked in joy, you don't even know what you'd do with yourself. Receive that joy. Take a deep breath in the presence of the Lord right now and just breathe in His presence. Just breathe in the Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you just overflow in this place in each person's heart would you just overflow into their lives Jesus name bring peace bring healing bring rest bring joy in the name of Jesus the name of Jesus listen I'm going to I'm going to ask the team to come and sing a song if you would like to come to the altar and pray about this or about any other situation in your life, then I want you to do that. You don't have to wait on the team to come. You can just come to this altar right now and let's just, let's just create an atmosphere so that people can get healed today. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.